Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? I don't know about you, but when that music starts to play, I just kind of want to bounce around a little bit. Our creative team did an amazing job with that promo for this series. If you're brand new here, I want to welcome you. My name is Will. I'm our campus operations director here at Elevate Church. And we're in a series, a brand new series this year called Uncommon, where in weeks one, we looked at an uncommon clarity, and last week we looked at uncommon compassion, and I would encourage you to take a look at those messages, listen to them on the podcast, or get on the Elevate Church app and watch those messages. They were absolutely incredible, but today we're going to talk about an uncommon commitment, an uncommon commitment, because really this series is about things that are uncommon, of course, and really if you should know that what is uncommon is what is going around right now. Like, look around this room. This is an uncommon thing that is happening. Like, we have over a 1,000 people that are just adults, really, that show up here on the weekend here in this church. Like, that is uncommon. You should know that. You should know that what God is doing through this church for the last six and a half years, just over six and a half years now, like, is uncommon. We have over 350 people that are serving on teams that are volunteering to be a part of this mission to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. It is not common to see that in such a short period of time. And that's really what this series is about. And today we're gonna talk about this uncommon commitment, how we can learn to be followers of Christ, but also to be able to reach our full potential in Christ. And that's really what this is about. Our, our church, we have an uncommon commitment to reach people far from God, to see their full potential in Christ. But also, part of that, the second commitment that we have is to see those people, the people that are walking into this room, whether for the first time, for the second time, for the hundredth time, to learn where you can grow. It's one thing to get in here, but it's another thing to start expanding out and to starting to grow in those moments. And so we're gonna look at a few things today, some different scriptures to go along with this, but I also wanna let you guys know, this is a little bit more on my take, is that we have an uncommon pastor. We have an uncommon pastor's wife. Like Colby and Kristen are absolutely incredible leaders, and what they do, the obedience that they stepped out for just a few years ago to listen to God's call to put this church in this city, a city that they've really didn't live in beforehand. Like they, they showed up here to plant this church, like what God has put on their heart and the obedience that they've had and what God has been able to do through them and through uh, all of us who are, are behind this mission and vision. Like it is an uncommon thing to see with the leadership that they have. And so I'm just so thankful to be a part of that team and to be friends with them. Like above all else, like Pastor Colby's my friend. Like I love playing golf with him sometimes like he, the ball goes a little the other way, but it's okay. Like we're working on some of his skill a little bit. You don't know if I'm talking about him or if he's talking about me, but that's okay. But we're looking at this series about being an uncommon commitment. Before we dive in, let's just bow our heads and prepare our hearts for what God is going to do. God, we are so thankful for what you're doing in this church. God, we know that this is an uncommon thing that is happening, that you were just doing amazing things. God, I pray that you would just continue to just empower us today. As we learn and get motivated from your word today, God, I pray that you would open up the hearts of those who need to hear it most, God, and, and make an impact in us in a way that only you can do, God, only you can do. We love you, we worship you, we cherish you, and it's in your son, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if we're looking at things that are uncommon, I think we should also look at things that are common. Like, it's pretty common to know that commitments that we have in our lives are, are pretty much just like, we're gonna go do it, and then as soon as it starts to get tough, we quit, right? Like, How's your New Year's resolution going? No one answered saying that they've, they're crushing it, right? You all laugh. It's just kind of a common thing for us to make this New Year's resolution to say, I'm gonna be new year, new me, and I'm 
losing 20 in 20 days and then nachos come around. You're like, man, those are good. I'm gonna eat some of those. Like it's common for us to make this type of commitment as we, we kind of kick off into a new year. Maybe students that are in this room, you're like, man, I'm gonna get really good grades. And then that first homework assignment comes around and you don't do it. Like it's common for us to commit to wanting to do something and then as soon as the going gets tough, what happens? We fall down and we stay there. And an uncommon commitment looks completely different. It looks like being all in. It looks like when you fall down, you get back up and you keep moving forward. And we're gonna look at this as how can we make this season, we're finishing up the last weekend here in August, how can we make from September to December an uncommon way for us to grow? So that way when we look at December, as December ends, we look and say, something changed. Unlike when we make this New Year's resolution, like, which is a fad until February, basically, like we're gonna be able to grow. We're gonna be able to look back and say something else changed here, like something changed within me. It might not be an outward appearance, it's gonna be an inward appearance. And we're gonna look through some motivation today from uh, the book of First Kings uh, with Elijah, the story of Elijah, who was a major prophet in the Old Testament. And he was, uh, really it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, I would encourage you to look at it, First Kings chapter 19, but uh, this is a moment where he's li- learning from God and listening to God, and he's, God tells him, you need to go, you need to get Elisha, which is gonna be a little confusing until we start looking at the scripture and make him your successor. And so we're gonna pick it up in chapter 19, verse 21. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across him, across his shoulders, and then walked away. Now, this might seem a little bit strange, but this is really a sign that was so powerful. This is bigger than just throwing a cloak over someone. This is saying, like, you are my chosen one. You are the person that I'm supposed to go get. Like, you are the anointed person that's coming up after me. You are my successor, so come and follow me. And then in verse 20, it says, Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, like any good son should do. And then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. And as we finish in 21, so Elijah returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. This is a little uncommon. Like a guy just shows up, he throws his cloak, and he understands the meaning and the power behind that. But not only does he go and follow Elijah as his successor, but he also burns everything in the past. Like he's not just stepping out saying, I'm gonna go with you, but I've got plan B behind me just in case. No, no, he erases plan B. He gets rid of the plow that's behind him. And the things that sometimes hold us back are the things uh, that we, we want to have as a plan B. Like, you know, we're gonna take this next job, but you know what, if it doesn't work out, I bet you I can go back to the other guy. I bet you I can go back to the other boss that I had. I know he'll take me back, it'll be no big deal. Like, we make this commitment knowing that when it gets tough, I always have a plan B. Elijah, or Elisha, rather, burns his plan B. Like, you can't live a life to the fullest if you're living full of plan Bs. We have to just burn that commitment and we need to move forward. And as we've been going on this series, Pastor Colby brought an amazing word last week. I really want you guys to go back and listen to it. But he says that there's no compassion without action. Like it's more than just clicking a like on Facebook and saying that you're sorry for someone. It's more than just saying that you're gonna pray for them, but actually taking the action to go ahead and do it. And as we were planning this series, and we were talking through just some of the different things that we were going to learn and discuss and teach 
on, one of these things that kind of kept going through, and then over the last two weeks, it's really the sentence has been jumping out to me as something that is, has been moving my, in my life in a way, and that is faith-filled attitudes need to be backed up by faith-filled actions. Like, it's not enough to just come here on a Sunday and say, yeah, 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 that sounds really good, and then when you go to work on Monday, nothing changed. You go to work on Tuesday, nothing changed. The faith-filled attitude that we get here for, for a half an hour on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night needs to be the action that we take forward to move into this uncommon commitment. It has to have an action behind it. And as a church, we are committed to seeing people far from God reach their full potential in Christ and the mission that we have to see that and creating these environments for people to do that. That is, that is part of the action that we have. It takes an uncommon commitment to go from being broken to being made whole. It takes an uncommon commitment to be uh, in an identity crisis to finding your identified purpose. And we are committed to creating these environments for people to do that, but there has to be a commitment on the back end as well. We have to create these environments and we are so committed on having that happen that that is really what this is all about. And people ask me when I'm out in public or you know, talking to people about you know, the church or whatever it may be, and they say, well, what's going on at Elevate? Like, how are things? And, you know, what do you guys stand for? What do you guys believe in? And I say, and I tell them our mission and vision, hey, we're, we're here to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ. And people understand the far from God point, point but they don't get the, what's the full potential in Christ? That's the biggest question I get when I, when I mention this to them. And I think Paul's word tells us this in such a, a beautiful way. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 13, it says, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This is the journey. Like this is what the journey is all about. This is why you're here today. You're here today to, to know that measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ is not gonna be something like you give your life to Christ and the next thing you know, everything is perfect and you're there, you're this perfect, sinless lamb of God. No, that's not the case, it's, it's a journey. And we all are on this journey. Some of us got here a little bit earlier than others, but really, we all have a long way to go. Like until Jesus comes back, we are continuing this pursuit as he is pursuing us. That is what measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ is, and that is how we reach our full potential. And we've identified a few ways in this uh, few years that we've been uh, doing this church thing, as people would say, and that we, there's different ways that we can grow. There's different commitments that we can take to grow. And the first one that we can do is committing in this uncommon commitment to growing in a grove. Growing in a grove, letting our roots grow out. And in Colossians chapter two, verse seven, it says, let your roots grow down deep, or go, grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow stronger in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Like, don't miss this. We're gonna overflow with thankfulness from the truth that we were taught when our lives are built on him as we grow down into him. And we, we talk about if you, I mean, I'm not a gardener. Uh, I don't actually, I can barely even keep a cactus alive. But if I had, you have a plant, and for anybody who is a gardener, you have a plant, you can't plant the plant in the ground and then a week later get the plant, dig it back up and put it over here and you're gonna plant it here and then later you're gonna put it over there and move it around. We have to stay planted. We have to stay rooted because when we stay in a spot and we start to grow, we're gonna, the plant is gonna start to soak up those nutrients. The plant is gonna start to be able to expand its roots out. You can't do that if you're bouncing from, say, job to job or relationship to relationship or even church to church. You have to stay 
planted. And as you're planted in a spot and you start to gather the things that the ground is starting to do, you start gathering here in this place and start seeing what this house is all about through groups and through serving and through multiple things. That's how we're starting to gather those nutrients like the plant would be. And one of the best ways we do that is through Elevate Small Groups. And we have groups that are really out here for everybody, but if you don't have somebody in your life, like when, when the storm hits, because the storm is gonna hit. Like we've all seen the bumper stickers, like things happen, right? The storm is gonna hit. If we don't have somebody that you can call right away, somebody that you could send a text to right away and say, hey, Joe, this is gonna happen. This is, this is what's going on in my life right now. Like that is easy for the enemy to prey on you if you have nobody that you can rely on and somebody that can rely on you. We were down in Florida last year, just a little bit past this time, it was in October, just after the hurricane hit in Southwest Florida. And one of the pastors down there uh, was just talking about how he was driving just in moments after the storm, really, and just seeing that these big trees, these big trees that were just big and, and bulky and huge were knocked over, taken out. But the smaller palm trees, the ones that didn't look like they had a lot of roots, they didn't look like there was much to it, were still standing. And how the appearance of rootedness is different than actual real authentic rootedness. Like you can't just show up here and hey, I'm with my friends, we're taking a selfie in church. Like the appearance of rootedness is not real rootedness. If you just think that you have people that are in your life, but when things happen, you actually don't have somebody to reach out to. Like that's the appearance of rootedness. We need to grow in these authentic relationships in doing so. And we do that through growing in a growth. Part of my job here at the church is, is to do that. And it's one of my favorite things that I get the chance to do. I get the opportunity to, to lead our, our group's ministry here at the church and do different things and, and help those leaders out and help those leaders move forward. And if you're not connected into one of those groups, I would encourage you right now, like this week, on Monday night, Tuesday night, or Thursday night, chances are one of those three days is available for you. Get to one of the public locations that we have a squad at from 7 to 8.30. If you show up, maybe it's at Chipotle, maybe it's at Sarah's, maybe it's at uh, Panera Bread, whether it's in Harbor Creek or right down the road from here. Like, get to one of those and start meeting some of the people that you see here on the weekend. Start understanding who they are more than just, you know, the greeting of who they are during that time. Like, say hello to them. Start to understand their story because when you sit down at a table with somebody, all things are different. You might have a different experience, you might have different background, you might have different ethnicities or age, but there's one thing that is common. You have the same Jesus that loves you, that is pursuing you as you are pursuing him. And so when you set down all those things aside, that is the center focus of what our groups are about. And maybe for you, you wanna lead a group this, this season. We have our groups launch coming up in October. You can do that right now. We have an interest forum that is out there. And, and groups, they don't have to be scary to lead. Like, I like to play golf. I can have a, well, not in the fall because winter is terrible, but uh, we have, you can have a golf group if you wanted to. Like do the things you normally do, add a spiritual component to it, that's a group. Like you can do that, whatever you like to do. If you like to go out and eat some food, like go out, eat some food, invite some friends, pray, talk about Jesus, and there you go, there's your group. Maybe you wanna have a group that's just for guys. Maybe you wanna have a group that's just for ladies or couples or young couples. Maybe you're brand new believing, you're like, I don't even know what a group is. That's awesome, we have a group called Fresh Start for you. It's a 10-week journey that we go on and that we learn a lot about who Christ is, who, how we can do some of the basic things, the things that seem so basic that are so difficult to learn. That's what that group is all about. Like, get connected. If you hear nothing else in today's message, get connected into a group. Do life together. The second way we can grow in this, this uncommon commitment within ourselves and within this church and start to get those roots growing out deeper is through godliness. It's through growing in godliness. We are to be 
The Bible tells us we are to be set apart, to be sanctified, sanctified for the holy purposes that God has put on our lives. And we can do this in a lot of different ways. But I wanna give you three practical ways right now that we can grow in our godliness. And the first one is through reading God's word. Like reading God's word, reading the stuff that he has communicated over thousands of years to us. Like it's already here. You wanna learn how to listen to God. People are like, people ask me all the time, well, how do you hear from God? I read his word. It's already communicated to me. Like it's not that hard. I just read what he tells me to do. This is my instruction manual. Like this is the purpose of it all. Now, chances are, does anybody here know what P90X is? Yeah, Tony Horton's in the room. Yeah, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do B90X, which is a Bible plan to crush through the entire Bible in 90 days. Like, you don't need to do that. You can do that if you want to, but B90X isn't for everybody, just like P90X isn't for anybody. Look at me. It ain't for me. That's not my type of thing. But I would recommend you start small. I would recommend you, you take a look at some of the scriptures. This is exactly how I started. Pastor Goldboy would say a scripture. I would write down the, the, cha- the, the book of the Bible, the chapter, and the verse. And then he'd say the next one. I'd write down the book of the Bible, the chapter, and the verse, and just do that. And then every single day throughout the rest of the week, I would just take one of those verses and read it. Chances are we're gonna give you more than seven scriptures in a message, and so there you go. You've got seven days worth of reading right there. Maybe that's where you need to start. The second way that we can grow in our godliness is through prayer. And this is maybe one of the toughest ones for most of you. It's like, well, people pray so good in church. People, I, I see these people praying and I don't wanna be the weirdo. Like, what do I do with my hands when I'm praying? Like, all these different things. I don't even know what to pray for, Will. Like, what would I even pray for? And I'm glad you asked that question because in Romans chapter eight, verses 26 and 27, it tells us, it says, in the same way the Spirit that helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes through our wordless groans. We don't know what to pray for, but the Spirit is going to intercede. And in verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Like the will of God, you hear this all the time. It's the perfect harmony that he wants us to have. What better way to communicate with him than letting the Spirit, who he already understands, intercede on your behalf for him so that way you can be in accordance with the will of God. This could look like sitting there saying, God, this is my moment of prayer. I have no idea what to tell you and just sitting there in silence. It could look like something like that. It could look, it doesn't have to be this perfect like prayer that you say all the right words and it flows out like just beautiful angel butterflies coming out of your mouth. It could just be jacked up. You could say, um, 36 times. It does not matter. The Holy Spirit will work on your behalf so God can hear what's going on. God just wants to hear what your heart is. And you might even say, well, what about when things are getting tough? What about when I know I've got this doctor's appointment and I, I don't believe that the diagnosis is gonna go right? I'm glad you asked that too because in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, this is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was about to be attacked by three different nations that were coming right at him. They're coming at him in this moment. And in the verses before this begins his prayer, but in verse 12, this is how he finishes. He says, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And this is so key. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Sometimes we just need to let God work. We need to stop getting in the way and, and, and trying to make this perfect thing happen and just let God do some work. But we need to have that action. The faith-filled attitude of prayer needs to be backed up by the faith-filled action of prayer, of at least getting in the moment. And maybe that's pounding on the table at the dinner table and saying, I don't know what to pray for, God. 
I'm struggling, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's that moment of just silence. Maybe as you drop down to your knees or you're sitting there in your car and you're driving and you're just completely silent. Like that's what that could look like for you. That's a way that we can grow in our godliness. The second way, that, or the third way that we can grow in our godliness is through worship. Worship should not just happen in the last 20 minutes that we just had to worship and sing those songs. Worship needs to happen tomorrow. It needs to happen on Tuesday. It needs to happen on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every single day of our lives, we need to worship. And in Psalm 47, verse one, it says, come on, everyone, come, everyone. Clap your hands and shout to God with joyful praise. Like that right there is worship. We need to clap our hands. We need to shout to God with joyful praise. And some people walk into this room. I know the very first time I walked in at Harding Elementary School, I was like, why is everyone's hands up while they're singing? Like, I don't get that. That's super weird to me. And then I started to realize that that is how God tells us to worship. We need to clap our hands. We need to get excited about what we're doing. Most of us get more excited about what happens on a Friday night football game or a Sunday now that the Steelers are playing. We get more excited and more hollering for them than the God who saved us. There's something wrong with that, right? Like we need to, to worship more than we worship the Steelers and worship these guys that are throwing this pigskin around. Like worship the God who saved you, who's given you eternal hope and giving you eternal peace. Like that's who we need to be worshiping here. We don't need to worship... Big Ben. Like the song that we just sang. I love this lyric. My God made me a promise and he won't stop now. Like, do we believe that when we sing it or are we just saying it because it's a cool lyric? Like that's true worship is when you sing that song and you believe it in your heart and you lift your hand because that's what you need to do. You need to lift your hand and you declare that those lyrics are the lyrics, not just that are a great song, but are a good word for you to live by. Like that is what we need to do. And if you have trouble or maybe you're brand new and you're starting you're like I don't where would I even begin I got to read God's word I can't do B90X and I can't do all this other things we teach something in fresh start which is our new believers group that I just talked about it's called the first 15 you take the first 15 minutes of your day instead of pulling up your emails instead of pulling up Facebook or Instagram or whatever it may be you take those first 15 minutes and you give it to God you give it to God through reading God's word Take five minutes to read God's word. Take five minutes to pray. And then those songs that we just sang, like maybe you take one of the songs that we sing here on the weekend and you listen to that song. Take five minutes to listen to it. That's the first 15 minutes of your day giving it completely to God. Like imagine what he could do if you dedicated, you committed this week to doing that. Imagine what he could do through you in a week. Imagine what he could do through you in, in two weeks or a month or a few months just by committing to giving him the first 15 minutes. And what you'll find is exactly what I found that is impossible to do just the 15 minutes over a period of time. Like, I need more. Like, I'm just so hungry for more. Like, I can't just do five minutes of reading. Like, I've learned that I have to keep going for more. But we can start small. And the third way that we're gonna grow in this uncommon commitment, this way that we're gonna grow down and grow deep and start to soak up more of these, these nutrients that God wants us to soak up is growing in an uncommon commitment to gratitude. It's growing in an uncommon commitment to gratitude, like being thankful. And we're gonna look at 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 and 17 and 18. And I wanna encourage you that if you wanna memorize some scripture, chapter, or verse 16, always be joyful. Good job, you just memorized scripture. 17, never stop praying. Perfect, you just memorize more scripture. But in 18, like after we're joyful, after we're not gonna stop praying, we need to be thankful in all circumstances, no matter what diagnosis comes out. 
No matter what the, our boss tells us, no matter if we didn't get the raise or if we got the raise, we need to be thankful in all those circumstances for God's will is for us, for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We need to be grateful. This is a perspective shift. In the Bible, there's a story about Jesus who heals 10 lepers and heals all 10 of them and as they go, only one of them comes back. One, one out of 10 gets healed from leprosy and he comes back and he's giving him praise, he's giving him thanks and Jesus just tells him just straight up and says, where are the other nine? Like, didn't I heal all 10 of you? Why are only one of you back? Like, where are the rest of them at? I wanna let you know that this church is not one of those nine. This is a church that is so thankful that when this room is completely full like it is or this room is empty, we are thankful. We are thankful when the things that go our way and we, we do a, a big outreach event and, and it's like, man, all these people are getting saved for Jesus and this is really what we're here for. We're so thankful in those moments, but we're also thankful when we go and it, plans have to change because things didn't really work out the way that they should have. Or we think we're gonna go into one area and when we go to that area, it's like, oh, this isn't really what what we thought it was going to be. We're, we're thankful, we're grateful in those moments. Dylan, who's on our production team, he's down here, he's programming the lights, he does all, he does all the stuff that I have no idea what to do. But I, I remember hearing him before saying, isn't this great? And I'm like, Dylan, there, nobody's in the room. Like it's a Tuesday, like there's nobody here. He's like, yeah, isn't it great? Like he's grateful in the moments when no one's here because he knows what God's going to do when somebody sits in the seat. I love that. Like I need that type of gratitude in my life. It's a perspective shift in our minds. And the fourth way that we're gonna grow, growing this uncommon commitment is by growing in grace. It's by growing in grace. Grace is freely given. And this point right here is actually more for the people that have given their life to Christ. It's more for those of us who would call ourselves Christians and start living out that purposeful life. This is what this is for. So in Ephesians, we're gonna look. It says chapter, in chapter two, verses eight and nine, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's by grace through faith. Grace is, is triggered through faith through the, the faith we have, the knowledge and the understanding of, of who Jesus is and who we're saved by, it is by that faith that we receive the gift of grace from God. And if, as followers of Christ, like that is what it's all about. It's all about understanding and believing and, and knowing in our hearts through the faith that we have, that we also have the grace that God has given us to save us. It's the grace that has saved us through the faith. And one thing that Pastor Colby always mentions um, that is essential in so much in everything that we do is that we need the same grace that got me here to keep me here. The same grace that, that got me to this moment of salvation, the same grace that is there through the faith that I have, I need that same grace to keep me here. And I think that's so vital. Like, this is within our interactions with each other. We need to give grace to every single person that we see. This is the relationships that we have formed. Are we giving each other grace? Like, look to your neighbor right now and say, I need some grace. Only three of you need it, apparently. Like, everybody needs grace. We won't even talk about the second choice on your other side that you didn't tell them that they needed grace or not. But that's who it is. That's who it's for. Every single one of us in this room needs more grace. Like, the leadership of this church, we need some serious grace because we're growing and we're moving in this direction to see these people move and to help you guys move. And our last point I wanna get to 
is that we're gonna grow in this uncommon commitment through giving. This uncommon commitment through giving. And you're probably thinking, you're not even the lead pastor and you're gonna talk about giving. Yes, I am, because generosity is our privilege. You should know that the rhythm of the generosity within this church is so strong, it's so purposeful, it's so meaningful, and it's evident in everything we do. Absolutely everything we do. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to, to walk into these doors and understand that generosity isn't just something that, that we talk about, it's something that we live out too. Like, think about our serve teams through our mobile dream center. Like over this last summer, we, we walked through neighborhoods that people have never actually walked through before and cleaned up over 50 some bags of trash. We've, we've passed out over 100 bags of lunch that people don't even wanna drive through those neighborhoods and we are passing out those things. Like generosity is our privilege. Like don't even get me started on what happened last week during Convoy of Hope. Like that was an incredible moment for us to have. Generosity goes so much further than just, just showing up here on the weekend. It goes so much further. We hear a lot of it, people talking about financial. And yeah, giving, there's part of it that is financial. You know, the tithe, the Bible tells us the tithe is 10%. Like that's God's standard. That's not like, we're, we're at Elevate Church, we wanna be at 10%. No, 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 that's just a biblical principle that we're learning. But the tithe is also not generosity. Generosity is being over and above. Generosity is this above and beyond type of living, this, this privilege that we have to just say, you know what, here's what we can do, but here's what we're going to do. We're gonna take it to the next level. That's what generosity is. The tithe is standard that God is giving us. The offering part is the over and the above. And that's just part of the process here through giving, but it's more than just that. It's, it's also with your time through the Mobile Dream Center or with your, your time as you're serving here on the weekend. We have so many teams and, and we celebrate this principle of generosity being our privilege. Like if you walk in, you'll see it on our wall out in the, in the lobby and, and it's not just there. Like we celebrate this so much. You guys should know that if you, and if you aren't part of a serve team, maybe you don't know, but now you're going to, that before we gather as a church here, like this morning, before we gather here, we bring every single person who's serving on the weekend, we bring those people into uh, the lobby about half hour, 45 minutes before service begins and we start to celebrate all that God did last time. We do it as a team rally. We bring everybody together. We prepare ourselves for what God is going to do this weekend and through the generosity of other people. Like last week, we celebrated, just this morning, last week we celebrated that 12 people gave their life to Christ last week. Like that is amazing. And it's through, it's through the generosity of the people who are serving on teams through their over and above to saying, you know what, I'm gonna show up at seven o'clock in the morning when no one else is here other than the band and a few people from production showing up at seven o'clock in the morning to make sure that things are right. Like that is what generosity is. It's going above and beyond with your time, your treasures and your talents. And there's a couple in this room that I wanna recognize actually, and they don't know I'm doing this, so that's great, um, who really live out this generosity being our privilege. Uh, and that's Mark and Mary Janest. They're an awesome couple. They are uh, they're a firecracker. They're awesome. I love those guys. But through, their, through your time, through, through what they do, they show up here. They're part of that seven o'clock crew. Like they get here super early. They get here early on Saturday sometimes if they need to. Like, and it's a, 
they're just coming in and it's not they have to come in and do it, they get to do it. They live out that principle of generosity being their privilege. They come here, they show up early, they stay late. They're some of the last people. I have to chase them out of the auditorium sometimes. Like they are always around and I love it. And just the, what that they have done through pouring into the lives of so many people in this room. Like Mary leads our hospitality team. She's one of the team leaders that I get the opportunity to lead. Like the reason why most of you are caffeinated right now through your coffee is because Mary showed up here early <laughs> to make sure that the, the hazelnut was gonna be brewed just right. And she'll tell you if it's brewed wrong. I promise, she will tell you if it's brewed wrong. Like they are an incredible couple that are living out this generosity principle that is an over above. It is not for, they don't wanna be recognized. Like right now, they're probably really mad at me and they're looking at me in the front row that I'm doing this. But they don't wanna be recognized, but they need to be recognized through the generosity that they have. And through this, when I was thinking about them this morning, I thought of this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know that the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, these are a big area of churches, the Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. That's where the Macedonian churches were at this time. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And in verse three, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, for they urgently pleaded. And some, ver some versions of the Bible say that they begged with us for the privilege of sharing in the serving to the Lord's people. That reminds me of Mark and Mary so much because like the verse says, beyond their ability, in generosity, it's a privilege, they, they believe that, like they talk about it so much and, and you don't have to, to be in this, this trial. You don't need to be in this, this moment where things are happening that you're like, man, well, what do I do? Do I need to, to, to start to, to be generous? No, you can be generous right now. Like generosity can start right now because it's an over and above of what you would normally do. It's an over and above of what you have been called to do. It's taken a little bit to stretch yourself. But as you do that, and as we start to do that through serving and, and seeing this bigger picture of what God has in store, it's through, through those people that are serving on teams, they're people that are being connected into groups. And you might think like, well, I wanna be a part of that. How do I, how do I be a part of something that is greater than, than what I am? How do I start to stretch myself? How do I start to go over and above? And I can tell you right now, as the person who on our, our staff leadership team that gets the opportunity to help people get connected into those next steps, the best way you can do that is by coming to Crash Course. Like in two weeks, on September 9th at 1245, just commit right now to being there. I get the opportunity to lead that alongside with some incredible leaders of our, of our teams and, and people that have just been serving faithfully in so many ways. But that right there is a way that we're gonna grow as followers of Christ. We're gonna understand who we are designed to be, uniquely designed to be from God, and then discover not only who we are designed to be, but how we're going to use that to make a difference. And I think that's so vital. It's one thing to know who you are and who God has called us to be, but it's another thing to step out and say, I need to make a difference. And this is how I'm going to do that. And whether that's through serving on our mobile, with our mobile dream center and our first Saturday serves, or it's maybe that's through serving here on the weekend and giving your time and start, start being generous in your time and start being generous in multiple areas. It's a process that we can all take. Some people might think like, why do we grow? Why do we grow? Why do we need to grow in the way that we give? And I think God has given us the biz, biggest example of that. Like he gave his son for us. Like he didn't have to give him. 
He gave his son to die for us so that way we can have eternal peace, that way we can have eternal hope. And God isn't, he's not just giving his son Jesus just so we can have something to, to sing about. He's giving us his son Jesus so we have a, re, a way to get through and to get into the kingdom. And Jesus is looking for permission to transform our lives. He's looking for permission to, 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 to enter in to, to wherever you are in this moment or, or wherever it is. That's where he's looking for permission to start to transform and to work inside you in such a way. And we're gonna close with this last scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5. I wanna look at this actually in the message version because I think it just communicates something so well, something that's so common. If we were looking at those Macedonians who were just going through some troubles, they were going through some trials, through that extreme poverty. But let's look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse five. It says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely of their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it? What explains their rich generosity that they still had in those moments? What explains the rich generosity was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and then to them. The other giving, the, the financial giving that the, the verse is actually, uh, the, the chapter is talking about, the other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in them. It simply flowed out of the purposes that God working in them after they unreservedly gave themselves to God. It didn't happen before. Like they had to give themselves to God unreservedly. This is lifting your hands up and saying, I'm in full surrender, God, whatever you want me to do. I'm gonna burn my plow like Elijah and I'm going to, to burn the plow and say, there's no more plan Bs. Like whatever you want me to do, God, whatever that may be. Maybe that's growing in your godliness. Maybe that's growing and getting connected into a group. Maybe that's growing and, and starting to give. Maybe that's being in graceful. Maybe you need to, to start being more gracious to the people that are around you in those communications and conversations that you're having. Maybe it's in your gratitude. Like what has God already given you that we are not understanding as being thankful enough? Like which of these areas is he growing in us in? Like one of those things is going to happen after we first give ourselves unreservedly to God. Everything else that comes through that after we give ourselves to God flow out of the purposes of him working in our lives. They flow out of what he's already done for us. This is evident in the people that serve on teams here. They're not serving just to serve, they're serving out of the overflow of what God has done after they gave their life to Christ. That is what it's all about. It's all about being in full surrender. It's this uncommon commitment. And we're committed as a church to grow into these areas and grow together and find ways for you to grow as well. Let's all bow our heads in this moment. Some of you are in this room and you've realized that your commitment has been that like a, a New Year's resolution. It hasn't been very uncommon. It's been shaky at best. You've realized that you could commit more to godliness. You could commit more to grace. You could commit more to, to giving, to growing in a group, to growing through your gratitude. And over the last 30 minutes, you've realized that this is where you need to go. You need to step out and you need to, to move forward into growing in this way, this uncommon commitment through the environments that are already here. Maybe you need to get planted and, and stay in one spot and let God work through you in that spot. I wanna pray for you this morning. God, I thank you so much 
for what you're doing in the lives of these people, God. I pray and thank you for the word that you have brought to us today, the motivation that we can get from it. God, that we can live a generous and abundant, full life in the, in the spots where you have planted us, God. I pray that you would search our hearts and there's anything that we're holding on to, God, that you would reveal that to us, that we can let go and we can leave that plow behind, God. Let us just run this race that we have that you've called us to do. God, Jesus, we love you and it's in your son, amen. Now church, as you guys are praying in this moment of prayer, there's so those of you who are just like those Macedonians who you've realized that you need to first give your life to God. You need to first accept that grace that it was so given freely to us. And so with every head bowed and every eyes closed, those of you who want to enter into that kingdom, you wanna enter into the kingdom to understanding who Jesus is for you. I wanna give you a moment and some, some language that you can pray to, to enter into that. Because God sent his son Jesus to this earth to live this perfect sinless life, to die, to shed his blood for your shame to shed his blood for your sins so that way you may be forgiven. And he was risen to new life to show that death cannot conquer us and nothing can conquer us, that we can have eternal hope through him. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I wanna give you a moment right now to do so. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. You can raise your hand, you can lift it up, just boldly take that step, declaring that Jesus is Lord, knowing that you want to be in this kingdom, you wanna enter into that. Praise God for you in the back. Praise God for you, a couple hands over this room. Thank you so much for what you're doing. This is a bold step to giving God your best. You can pray this prayer with me. Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. I know that you have died for me, that you have risen to new life for me. I know that I've sinned and I'm sorry. But Jesus, I turned and I choose and I repent of those sins and I choose to follow you for the rest of the days of my life. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, that we pray this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.